Facebook leads the industry in stopping bad actors online. That's because they've invested $13 billion in teams and technology to enhance safety over the last five years. It's working. In just the past few months, they've taken down 1.7 billion fake accounts to stop bad actors from doing harm. But working to reduce harmful and illicit content on their platforms is never done. Learn more about how they're helping people connect and share safely at about.fb.com safety. Hey, it's Don Slaz, and this is Talking to Strangers. I just literally got back from Malta, like not even three hours ago. Just got back from Malta, and it is fresh on my mind, and I wanted to share a little conversation that I had with this lovely lady, Nicole. Um, not going to mention her last name, but I had a lovely conversation with Nicole last night in Malta. And it was a really interesting one because I see a lot of conversations going on on all of our travel groups about this subject. And I think that, you know, I went through it with her last night and I was thinking, wow, why do I hear this same reasoning going on all the time amongst people, particularly women? But before I get into that, let me go ahead and talk about Malta because Malta was pretty cool. Um... And, uh, and, and on a side note off the subject of what we're going to be talking about today, on a side note, it really illustrated this trip, how, how, how environment for me is really everything. Maybe it's not for you. I don't know. Maybe you're the kind of person that's like, I can go to a hostel and stay in a hostel and having a fabulous time anywhere I go. That used to be me. Actually, no, I'm just joking. That that has never been me. (laughs) I've stayed in a hostel like maybe once in my life. And that was just because I couldn't find an apartment fast enough not to stay in a hostel. But anyway, um, for me, uh, environment is everything. And, you know, this trip was really a reminder that for me, being in the right environment changes my whole experience. I think it does for you, too. Maybe you just haven't put in that much focus on it to realize. But you know, for me, Malta was very cool. And I I had two different experiences, two completely different experiences in two days of Malta. So let me just give you a quick rundown of my experience. And I'd be very, very happy and grateful to get your experience because I'm thinking about going back there again and kind of making it a regular hotspot because it's only about two and a half hours away from Switzerland easily accessible with only the two and a half hour flight and the weather is amazing the whole year round from what I hear I mean it's November and it was 21 degrees the whole time we were there we were in shorts t-shirts and flip-flops and we were hot during the day and so I'm definitely looking for some tips on what else I can do besides what I'm going to tell you but let me tell you about my experience in Malta okay so We went there just for a weekend trip and I got there Friday night. That was cool. Interesting thing when I arrived, you know, usually when you go to an island, because Malta is an island, on the little tip of the toe of Italy, past Sicily, and just a little jump over closer to Tunisia than um, Europe, let's say. Um, But when you get to an island, typically you expect it to be super chill, people to be super friendly, easygoing, you know, kind of like the whole Jamaican spirit, the Hawaiian aloha spirit, the hukuna matata, maybe like Madagascar kind of spirit. Nah, Malta, my, my first impression of Malta was not 
definitely not that. Um, they talk rough, they drive fast and it's just like, go. Right. So that was interesting. That was a first, that was a first impression kind of interesting thing about Malta. But the second thing I realized is that, um, Malta, while it is Europe has been like the forgotten middle child, which has experienced a lot of trauma. And so, you know, you kind of expect an island to be happy and easygoing, all this kind of stuff. But I found out as I was researching Malta, after I figured out that actually, no, Danceoise, it's not part of Italy. Uh, when I found out about that, I did some research and I found out that it's actually a really important maritime location. And it's been kind of in the tug of war between Africa, the continent and Europe. And it's been bombed several times or whatever. Definitely explains the kind of energy around the island and the whole like makeup of the people there definitely plays a role. But yeah, so I got there at night. That was an interesting experience. I didn't love my hotel, but I was like, whatever, I'm not here for the hotel. Side note, I was. Uh wasn't here for the hotel. I was here to enjoy the sun. But what I do have to say after all that negativity, um, I do have to say the next morning when I woke up, I was just like, oh my gosh, this is beautiful. It was absolutely gorgeous. We woke up, we had the view of all of these ships floating in the kind of harbor. Um, you know, the sun was glistening off of the water. I took a little photo. I'm going to pick those photos on travelcakelife.com and make a little video as I always do. Uh, and on Instagram. So check out travelcakelife.com. Instagram and Facebook for the photos and for the video, but it was beautiful sunrise. I woke up at 6:44 exactly. Um, just by coincidence, I took a look out of the window and the colors were mesmerizing. Absolutely beautiful, beautiful and gorgeous. The second thing I loved about Malta was that I loved how historical it felt. I didn't know anything about Malta, obviously, since I thought it was Italy, <laughs> but I didn't know anything about Malta. But the thing is, when you kind of think of Europe and you think of all of the history and you think of all the buildings and how dated everything is, Malta is definitely the place where you feel completely immersed in that European tradition and history and it is so nice to kind of feel like you could travel back in time if all of the cars disappeared right like it's so beautiful um you know I didn't go there a lot of people go there for the kind of historical adventure um hiking sightseeing all kind of things and I think the next time I go there perhaps I might get more into that but Definitely, I see that there's so much to do there. It's so beautiful and there is no lack of opportunity for adventure. So that's definitely another positive. I think that's awesome. Now, here's the tale of two cities situation here. I told you when I first got in, didn't love the hotel, wasn't super awesome. Our concierge or our, our front desk person, when I was looking for a place to hang out, I told him, look, I want to go to a place that is chill that is fancy. I love a Four Seasons. Give me something Four Seasons-esque. Uh, and let me know where I should go to hang out. I haven't really found much online, but if you could point me in the direction, I'd be so gracious and happy and, you know, thankful for that, that direction. And so he said, you know what? We don't really have that. People here don't like that. But if you must, then go to the Phoenicia 
uh, it's a it's a very classic, luxurious property, and they'll they'll have some drinks for you there. We went to Valletta, which is at the center of Malta, and we crossed from Slima, which were, which was where we were staying, uh, to Valletta. And by the way, there is a ferry that goes every fifteen to thirty minutes between the two, for only one euro fifty. We crossed over to the Valletta side. We stumbled our way through the streets, trying to find where this Phoenicia hotel was, as I so badly had to use the bathroom, by the way, and we found it. I walked in and I said, oh, oh, home. It was gorgeous. It was so gorgeous that I said, we have to have a tea here. And we had a tea and I said, you know what? I am dying for some chocolate cake. Do you have chocolate cake? They said, yes, we have chocolate cake. And I said, oh my gosh, I must have it. So we went out onto the open air side of the restaurant and they delivered our cake to us. And you know what? It was the most incredible chocolate cake I have ever. And I do mean ever, 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 ever including all of my experiences around the world. The most incredible chocolate cake that I have ever had in my life. Take that to the bank and cash that check because yes, it's true. It's the best chocolate cake I've ever had. In fact, the next day I got another slice to bring back with me to Switzerland. It never even made it an hour. It's so dang good that I'm thinking about ordering one and having them send it from Malta to Switzerland to me is amazing and I need to figure out what's in this cake. And I think I'm going to be changing my whole cake lady menu because we need to have something like this on our menu. Anyway, I digress. So we had the amazing chocolate cake. So amazing that I said, you know what? I'm enjoying my time here. I need to stay at this hotel. And so we had a hotel in Slima and we decided, you know what? We're going to go ahead and just stay in this Phoenicia hotel here. And we ended up actually staying the night. That's how incredible this hotel is. Okay. That was a long way around saying this t- This is tale of two cities started in Valletta at the Phoenicia. Now, when I got into the hotel in Slima, you know, my, my adventure was like, okay, you know, at least we're in the sunshine. At least we're here having fun. At least we're, you know, immersed in this history and it's beautiful. But when I got to Phoenicia, let me tell you, the whole experience changed. The whole island changed and it opened my eyes up to everything around me in a way that Slima Waterfront Hotel could have never done. Environment is everything, you guys. I'm telling you, for me it is. And I want you to just challenge yourself to see if you put yourself in a better environment, if your experience changes. Because you know what? It will change. It just depends on you how it will change. Moving forward. So As I was enjoying the Phoenicia Hotel, I began to see everything in a much more interesting and luxurious light. And I saw the fountain and I saw the parliament and everything. And it looked so much more beautiful. It was kind of uh, a little strange how the whole experience completely changed for me in the blink of an eye. Um, so I say all that to say, I say all that to say, um, you know, I'm not really sure what Malta is for me. I know that when I first got there, I was like, oh, this is cool. The weather is cool. I would come back here for practical reasons, you know, because it's close and it's warm. But then when I got into the Phoenicia hotel and saw their infinity pool and saw their 
brand new spa three years under construction, ate their gorgeous food, had their delicious Maltese wine, delicious, delicious, and then got to sleep in that beautiful hotel, which was the residence of the queen herself, queen of England, when she was a princess for five years, the whole experience changed for me. And so I don't know what Malta is to you, but I think that it can be amazing. It could be great. It can be anything you want it to be. I heard there's amazing parties there. That's my take on Malta. Let me know what your take is on Malta. We are getting back to that story with Nicole. (laughs) So that's my little brief take on Malta. Now let's talk about my conversation with Nicole because that whole story about my take on, on Malta brings us to that conversation. So last night, when we were staying at the Phoenicia Hotel and we were having the most gorgeous dinner we had on the island, we we came across our server, Nicole, and I was telling her that I live in Switzerland. And she was like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. I've, I've, you know, I'm from Malta, but I lived in the UK for a year. I wish I never went back. And, um, you know, and I said, well, why don't you go back there? Why don't you travel? And she said, Oh, I'm so afraid. I, you know, I'm young. You know, my family doesn't approve. And here's where I say we get into the conversation that I've heard so many times. Why? Please tell me. Why are people so concerned about what other people think about what you're doing? Right? Like she was saying, oh, you're so lucky you get to travel. I told her I had been to now nine countries during this pandemic. And she said, it's so great that you get to travel. And I said, yeah, why don't you travel? You're not far. The tickets aren't expensive. Why aren't you traveling? And she said, yeah, you know, my parents, they say this and they say that. And, you know, I'm a woman and I don't know if I should. And they try to scare me and this and that and the other. And I said, why are you letting the opinions of others disrupt your life? And so in my whole talking with strangers this episode, I would just like to say, please stop worrying about what other people say about what you do. When it comes to travel, there are dangers everywhere, just like the very place that you live in. No place is 100% secure and safe, okay? No place is without risk. Many people get injured, hurt, are in danger more in the place that they live than the place that they're visiting because you feel so comfortable where you live. Oftentimes, you're not on guard like you would be when you travel and things can just happen. You know, most, most car accidents happen within just blocks of where you live because you feel so comfortable that you're not on guard. So I told her, why are you letting the opinions of others stop you in your tracks? You are talented. You are young. You're adventurous. Go do you girl, go do you. And she was like, yeah, but I don't know. And I told her, look, I am 11 years older than you. And so I understand you have a ways to go in terms of making your own decisions and doing your own thing and stopping to care so much about what other people think. But let me tell you, you will come to a point in your life. I hope to God, I hope to God you will come to a point in your life. And by the way, this doesn't only have to do with travel. This is just kind of the introduction to how you need to go ahead and live your life and stop worrying about what you have to say. Anyway, I said, you will come to a point in your life where you will figure out you are wasting your time and your opportunities by listening to what everyone has to say. People 
who are not living your life don't have the right to tell you about how you should live your life. And she said, yeah, you're right. You know, I guess you're right. And I said, but one thing, let's take it a little bit further. While you are accepting the opinions of other people about how you shouldn't travel, you shouldn't do this or that. I said, think about this. Those people who give you their opinions, do you want a carbon copy version of their lives? Would you trade lives with them? Do you want your life to end up like theirs? And she's like, oh, no. And I said, okay, well, why are you taking suggestions and opinions and what you should do from people you don't even want to be like? And she said, oh, wow. I never thought about it like that. I said, yeah. The thing is, even if someone is living the life you want, you won't be able to copy their steps one-to-one exactly as they've done it because this is your life. This is a different circumstance, whatever. But if the person's giving you suggestions and feedback is not living the life that you want to lead, how could they possibly give you suggestions and direction on where you should be going and how you should be doing it? Doesn't make sense. So think about that while they're holding you back (laughs) because they're just going off of their reality. And they, they mean well, but they don't know because they're not where you want to go. And she was like, wow, yeah. And so I want to put that out there to you listening. Do you take inventory of who you're taking advice from? And are they living the reality that you want to live? Because if they're not, you need to second guess how you're taking advice and who you're taking advice from. So many people look at me and how I travel and I travel a lot by myself. But some people are looking at me and how I travel and what I do. And they're like, Oh my gosh, you're living the dream. Oh my gosh. I wish I could live like you. I wish I could be you when I grow up. It'd be so amazing. And I'm like, uh, you know, I have my problems too. I have my issues. My life is definitely not picture perfect. Um, you know, and I would love to do so much more than I'm doing whatever, but I do have a fantastic life. I'm not going to step down from that at all. I do have a fantastic life. And, you know, part of the biggest sacrifice that I have to make is um, not giving a bleep about what people have to say, because a lot of people have a lot to say about what I do and how I live and where I'm going and what I'm doing. A lot of people have a lot to say. And that's okay because they're coming from a loving place a lot of the times. Not always, but a lot of the people are coming from a loving place and they want to see me do well. And I understand that. But it's just like, for example, um, do you guys know the rapper Drake? <laughs> the rapper, rapper Drake, who's uh, responsible for a lot of GDP of Toronto and bringing recognition and coolness to Toronto. He quit the show Degrassi and his mother was not super happy about his trajectory in life because he wanted to be a rapper. And I remember he was talking about how he and his mother had a conversation about how he would never be as big as, oh gosh, what's the, what's the guy's name? Um, Trigger. I can't think of his other name, but anyway, uh, as this other artist, not big enough to the point where I can actually remember his name. But anyway, the mother was saying, you're not going to ever be as big as so-and-so. So why are you doing this? You know? And the point is that's his mother who loves him and wants to see him do well. And, of course, she believed in him, but she put his her own limitations on him. And a lot of time people mean well, but they put their own fears and limitations on you, thinking that they're 
meaning you well and they're they're just looking out for you and they don't mean anything bad by it but the thing is why would you take on those fears and limitations if they're not true to you just to appease someone who's not walking in your shoes and living your own life and the reason that's so important when it comes to travel is because when you travel you open yourself up to learning so many different sides of yourself And when it comes to your professional life, your career, say, for example, it's not in travel, but when it comes to your professional life and your career and your self-development, your personal development, travel is one of my best tools for bringing out the best in me and learning all different aspects of myself. And I think that experience, you know, far outweighs a a luxury bag, for example, or having things, for example. I'm not a person that has a lot of expensive things, not because I can't afford them, but because they don't necessarily mean much to me. Um, I, I do have clothes and accessories as souvenirs when I travel. Uh, that's true. Uh, but I would much rather spend a $1,000 on you know a vacation somewhere new rather than on a handbag for me. Because I get to explore sides of myself that I would never know. And that goes directly into my investment of myself and brings me to the next level when it comes to my career that might not be directly involved in travel. And so, you know, it's not just that I'm saying go out there and have fun and, you know, go to some dangerous place in the world and do you just because you want to do you. I think that there's so much value in travel that we haven't really given enough credit to the importance of doing it. It's not just about partying and getting drunk or buying fancy things and taking fancy pictures. For me, that's like the most insignificant part of travel. But what we don't give enough credit to is that you travel and discover and encounter new parts of yourselves that you will never find when you are in your comfort zone and at home. That's why I so much advocate for world travel because if I hadn't traveled, I would never be the person that I am today. And that's why I encourage my children to travel. And that's when I take them with me whenever I have the possibility and the option to, because I believe that, you know, there are so many different facets. There's so many different sides of ourselves. There's so many different little nooks and crannies of our personality, of our ability. Um, so many different things that we will encounter that we never can at home and that we need to really put a focus on doing it more. Um, and so, you know, when I travel, for example, um, you know, or actually let me give you, let me give you an example from Malta. We were talking to a waiter at um, a, a seafood restaurant in Malta, and he was telling us about how the national dish of Malta is rabbit. And he told us about how in 1963, when Malta was having a bad time with England, how the governor of um, Yugoslavia, Josip something Tito, I can't remember the middle name, but how he was sending ships with rabbits to feed the people in Malta. And when he started telling me about that, you know, I said, hmm, having a bad time with England, having a bad time with England. And I thought, wow, okay, that's the West. I was like, okay, whenever we hear about British history in the U.S., except for, you know, our independence from them, and we hear about the history of the U.S., you always hear it from a positive perspective. I mean, history is written by the victors. And so the way we hear about it is very different to how, 
you know, they hear about their own history and, you know, the um, oppressed hear about their own history. And when I was hearing this, I thought, wow, you know, when we're hearing about the aggression of our own nations against other people, we're hearing it in a whole different way. But when you hear people in those places talking about those times, you know, there are people who are not part of the government because usually when there are conflicts between countries, very rarely it's to do with the common people, right? But when you hear about the conflict between those two places, um, you never really get to hear on the more common level what the people are going through and what they've experienced. And when you realize through travel that, you know, people rarely have something to do with conflict and um, the lack of peace in the, or world peace, um, it, it, it doesn't allow you to fully understand the world. And so on another note, separate note, I remember, you know, when we were hearing about Nazi Germany and about the World War II and, you know, the dictator Franco in Spain, I remember hearing about all those stuff in history classes. And you think, oh, poor people, poor people, you know, they're all oppressed, they're dying, this, that, and the third. Now, I went to Spain, and if you know me, you know that I studied in Spain three times. I've worked there one time. I speak Spanish. Spain is a second, I don't know, I have a lot of second homes. But anyway, Spain is a second home. Interesting thing, just like I talked about with Malta. When you go to Spain, because Franco was the dictator until 1975, I believe, um, or at least immigration wasn't allowed in Spain until 1975. But anyway, so Franco was a dictator for for a very long time and they didn't have immigration, not even a little bit, nothing. Spain was closed until 1975. When you go there today, there are still people who lived through the Franco era. And there are a lot of people, particularly in Salamanca, the first place I lived in, there are people in Salamanca who will tell you that they far preferred living under a dictator. Wow. As an American, my mind is blown because the way they propagandize the oppression of a dictator, um, it, it leaves you feeling like, you know, there's nothing good about that kind of government, that kind of life. But then you go to the actual place. If you go to Cuba, if you go to Spain, if you go to people who live under a dictator, not saying this is everyone, because it's definitely not, but you understand that it's not just that every single person is against it. A lot of people like having an easy life. They might not have a lot, but they don't want a lot. They just want the simplicity of not having to make decisions, not having to worry about what's going on. The dictator says what's going on and that's it. That's final. And we move on. And it kind of still blows my mind to this day how people could feel that way. But I come from quote, democracy. I don't fully believe in that scam. But anyway, we come from democracy. We come from a place where we're able to make decisions. We come from a place where when we don't like what's going on, we put other people in government and we have, quote, freedom. Let's put that in big air quotes. We have freedom. And so it kind of makes you rethink everything that you've been taught to come into contact with people who have ideas and opinions that challenge yours. And it helps you grow as a person and it helps you understand the world 
in a better way. And I have to say, because I'm a very worldly person out here traveling around the world, my understanding of everything is very, very different to a person who has lived only in their hometown. If that's not important to you, of course, travel is not a priority. But if you are at all interested in travel and if you want to go, I say all of that and all of what I say to Nicole to tell you, do it. It is totally worth it. It not only satiates your thirst and your hunger for the adventure, but it will also bring you face to face with yourself and help you grow in a way that you would have never imagined before. So I hope you like that story. I hope you like my conversation with Nicole. Go visit Malta, see what it is. And and if you have any suggestions on what I should do the next time in Malta, definitely leave that in the comment sections. Go check out TravelCakeLife.com. Check out TravelCakeLife Instagram and Facebook, always uploading there. And in the meantime, have a great, wonderful week. Go love on somebody. Have a great day. Bye. And now it's Geico's Motorcycle Rules of the Road. Before you ride, make sure your mirrors are clean and adjusted properly. And if you're going on a group ride, make sure the lead biker knows where they're going. Uh, Ed, quick question. Where are you taking us? Oh, I have no idea. What well, am I the leader? <laughs> because I was uh, following that dude with the red helmet. Where? Where is he? And the rule to saving on motorcycle insurance is, in 15 minutes, Geico could save you 15% or more. Facebook leads the industry in stopping bad actors online. That's because they've invested $13 billion in teams and technology to enhance safety over the last five years. It's working. In just the past few months, they've taken down 1.7 billion fake accounts to stop bad actors from doing harm. But working to reduce harmful and illicit content on their platforms is never done. Learn more about how they're helping people connect and share safely at about.fb.com safety.